Welcome language professionals. This is Dominic Chase at Bespoke Business English and we're coming to you with the next podcast. And uh, today's podcast is about what we're calling business English empathy. Yes. Um, ultimately, what is the idea of business English empathy? The idea of business English empathy um, is pretty much um, an idea that I've uh, come up with. Uh, you may have heard me mention the idea of this. And if you've listened to any of the other podcasts, um, definitely you'll hear this in the future. And definitely if you're in the classes, uh, you'll hear me talk about business English empathy and the business courses and the coaching courses. Um, not so much in the discussion courses as uh, the discussion courses are not really for that. Uh, but as far as they relate to um, the business and the coaching, uh, business English empathy. Yeah. So we have a couple skills when we talk about, um, a language. And so obviously we have listening skills, uh, and we have speaking skills. Yeah. But there's something in between and that's what I like to call business English empathy. Yeah. Um, first, if you guys haven't, uh, started following us on all our other socials, please do so. I imagine you're listening to this on the, um, bespoke business English website. Uh, we're also putting this up on Spotify. I don't know if, uh, this will be on Spotify by the time you hear it. Um, I imagine, you know, given the time of processing, uh, it will be. Uh, but if not, jump over on LinkedIn. Um, we're going to be posting some of our content there, um, which is behind the login wall on the website. Um, and for a period of time, some of this content will be um, for free, even the coaching or a business uh, podcast. So uh, if you don't follow us on LinkedIn, do that. We're also on Instagram. You can follow us there, but our main platform definitely is going to be LinkedIn. So that's where you want to have um, your main connection with us in addition to the website. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's get into this. Yeah. So business English empathy. Yeah. So we have a couple um, skills. Yeah. And so the first one, let's talk about speaking. Yeah. So when we have, when we speak, you know, uh, you also, again, you may have heard me uh, say this, but we speak in pictures, not in words, you know? Um, and so what do I mean by that? Well, if, if I say to you, if I give you a word, I say car, you see that image in your mind. I don't know what car you see. I don't know which one that is. I don't know which which manufacturer produced your the car that you're thinking of when I say car, but I know, relatively speaking, what you're thinking. But if I then add another word, yes, I say pink car, yes, it's just changed for you, yes? And I don't know if that car is still an S, is it still a, you know, sedan or an SUV, or maybe you thought of a sports car when I said car, I don't know. Uh, but even saying sports car, you see an image, you see a picture of a sports car. And so ultimately when we're speaking, we're um, painting pictures. And that's a very, very important concept to keep in mind um, to completely understand this idea of business English empathy. Yeah, because when I speak, I can say something to you. I can say, um, uh, let's go get fucked up. Yes. And then you have an image of me. You see what kind of person I am. Yes. But if I also say, let's retire to a brandy, you see a different picture. You see a different image. You see a different understanding of me. And so when we speak, um, as far as this concept of business English empathy, uh, we're painting pictures and the people see us the way we want them to see us. And so let's give a few ideas. Yeah. So, uh, myself, yeah, and so I've traveled a lot in my uh, um, experiences on this planet, you know, um, and so would I say I've traveled a lot? It depends. It depends on the situation. Um, it depends on who I'm talking to and if I'm trying to defend my position, you know, typically speaking, when people get more 
uh, excited about something or, or, you know, feel a little bit more um, importance of this issue, we're going to use the present perfect, obviously. Uh, but we may want to control that, you know. Um, so, for example, um, let's say we have a hot shot salesperson, you know, and that person just closed a deal and that deal was for, for 10 million Polish Lotties, yeah? And so some of the people um, whom I've taught would say, I closed that deal for 10 million, yes? I closed, past simple. Well, why? Yes, well, they're thinking about their business English empathy, yes? And a 10 million Lottie contract is huge depending on the company, depending on your industry and all that good jazz. Um, but let's assume that it's a large number, you know? And so when you say, I closed that deal for 10 million, the person with whom you're speaking is going to feel that you feel it's no big deal. Yes. In the same respect that if you said I have closed, they know that it is a big deal. And so in business English empathy, you have to decide on what you want to make that other person feel. But let's get back into the speaking, you know, um, for me, if I want someone to think of my accomplishments as not really a big deal for me, even if it's a big deal for them, I can say I traveled around the world. No big deal. You know, I was in Spain. I was in Germany. I, I was in Germany. I don't know. 30 different times. Um, no big deal. Yes. But I've been to Nepal. Yes. I've uh, seen the sun rise over the Himalayas. You know, um, I've um hitchhiked around the world you know because those are the, the bigger things but uh i traveled no big deal you know and especially when you want to be a little bit humble you know when someone says to me oh uh have you traveled i've traveled a bit you know being humble but if we be fair i mean i spent you know a good you know almost two years on the road you know i was hitchhiking I, i've been to God knows how many countries, how many cities and how many different occasions. And for some people, you know, who've only been to one country or maybe not even been out of their own country, that's a very big deal for them. You have to make decisions in a few different areas. One, you have to decide how you want this person to see you. Yes, you have to decide on what you want this person to feel, you know, and then also these pictures that we're painting on their behalf. And so as we speak, yes. When I say I was in Spain, I was in Germany, I was in Germany 30-something times, no big deal. Um, that's me thinking about me because I just, that's the way I feel about it, no big deal, yes? Um, same way that if, um, you know, uh, uh, we can see, and I've, I've shown clips of this in the classes, you know, let's, let's bring into the example of Bill Clinton, you know, when Bill Clinton... Um, you know, was being impeached, you know, he was accused of a crime, which, you know, turns out that he actually uh, was guilty of, you know, he, he said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes. He didn't say I haven't had, but if you Google it, I'm sure you can find it. It's, it's readily available. If you're in my classes, you've already seen it. I'm sure. Um, you know, if you're, if, if this is not your First time listening to the podcast before joining the group. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this example. Um, but he said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. But if you look at the video, he was banging on the table. He was shaking his finger. He's like, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to say it again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Miss Lewinsky. Yes. And if you watch that video, you can just feel that something is off. I mean, hindsight is 2020. We now know for a fact that he... Um, you know, committed the acts that he was denying, 
Nonetheless, during that moment, you know, when he had a chance to, de to deny it, you know, he chose to use um, intonation and body language that made something a very big deal. But he also chose to use words that were no big deal. And it just was a conflict. And for those of us who are native speakers or on a native level of English, we felt that something was wrong. And this is why um, people continue to investigate, you know, to find the complete truth, um, because something just felt a little bit off. Um, but that's in the same respect. That's also I've shown videos of people who have actually committed murder. You know, you have people who who are murderers and in an interview, you know, um, again, I've shown this clip in my classes. Um, this one guy, he was a neighbor of um, some girl. Yes. And this girl went missing um, and she was missing for about two days. Um, and the police in this small town, they did the, their normal interviews the way they do. And apparently the way they do it is whenever they interview anyone, um, they record it um, to have it as evidence. And sure enough, that proved to be valuable, uh, a valuable practice. And so, you know, they interviewed this guy who's a neighbor. And when he did the interview, he kept saying she was, she was, she was, she was, you know. So I have a question. Tell me about your mother. Yeah, I want you to form that sentence in English. And I want you to act actively say it. Yes, I want you to say something about your mother, say something about your father or say something about someone that you know. Yes, what are you going to say? Are you going to say he is? Are you going to say she is or she was? What kind of person is your best friend? She is, of course. You wouldn't say she was. And so and this, when these police officers were doing this investigation, this person, you know, uh, who they suspected of committing this murder, you know, he repeatedly said she was, she was, she was, she was, you know, and a detective, you know, who has extreme business English empathy. I mean, if you want to talk about the people who have the most extreme business English empathy um, for their professions, we would definitely say detectives, you know, lawyer, lawyers, prosecutors, people have to analyze what a person has to say. say. Um, and... Um, now I'm just teaching you that. I'm just teaching you how to listen, yes? Um, but first, you need to understand what you're saying. And so uh, let's give a little bit of a different example of when we what we have to think about when we're speaking, yes? And so, well, let's go to one extreme. Um, let's talk about horses, yes? I can say to you, I want to run down a horse. And what does that mean? Yes, when I said that, I imagine some of the listeners had a certain idea in their mind. And so... When I said run down a horse, well, well, what did you think, you know? Or if you have a native English-speaking friend or someone who speaks a high level of English, feel free to ask, what does that mean to run down a horse? Well, if you Google it, you're going to find one, two, hopefully all three answers because three vary completely. So in the first case, if I say I want to run down a horse, maybe I'm a horse trainer. And when I say I want to run down a horse, that means that I want to train him until he's tired. Yes, until he's to get a, a strong workout. Yes, if I want to say I want to run down my dog, yes, I want to go to training until he's so tired that you know he doesn't want to work anymore. We want to get a strong workout. Yes, I want to run down this horse. Second option, if I say I want to run down a horse, that could be that I simply want to find a horse. If I want to run down an employee, you know, I want to run down a subcontractor for this project. You know, it just simply means that I want to find one. And a third option. When I say I want to run down a horse, that could mean that I want to hit him with my car. So com three completely different contexts. And so if you don't understand that to run down has three different situations, 
then then how can you completely have business English empathy? Um, and that's literally throughout the language. You know, well, let's bring something into a little bit more practical terms, because why would you want to talk about running down a horse? OK, cool. Let's not run down a horse, but maybe you need to run down an employee. Yes. Or let's go to a completely different uh, example. Let's say that you're talking with a potential partner, yes, to sign a contract, yes? And when you go into that negotiation, let me ask you a question. Do you want that person to agree with the contract? Do you want them to agree on the contract or do you want them to agree to the contract? Business English empathy. What's the difference in those? What's the difference between agree to, agree with, and agree on? I'll give you a minute and feel free um, to try to find your victory and, and think about it for a second. Hopefully you've uh, uh, used this time wisely and you've um, formed an opinion. So let's go through. Well, what's agree with? Agree with means that my thoughts and your thoughts are 100% in line. You know, that that what you believe, I believe. We're, there's no need to even discuss it anymore. Let's just move forward and do it because my thoughts and your thoughts are completely 100% in line. And then we have let's agree on. Yes, and agree on is for negotiations. Yes, when I give up something and you give up something, we agree on it. Yes, let's say you say you want to have classes with me um, on, I don't know, Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Yes, um, because it's not an hour that's listed um, on the website. Yes, so let's say you have, um, you want classes at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, yes, and then I say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't do that, and then you say, oh, well, you know, I'll do this, and, you know, I'm special and important, and I'll pay a lot of money, yeah, and then I say, oh, well, you have to pay 500 zlotties an hour, or something ridiculous, and you're like, oh, no, 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 come on, Dominic, we can do better than that, how about, um, let's do, um, 400 zlotties, but at 7 o'clock, uh, no, 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 no way, there's no way I'm doing 7 o'clock, Eight o'clock is the minimum. Let's, okay, let's do eight o'clock, but not for the 400. Let's do it for 300. Deal. Yes. And so we agreed upon. I didn't want to work at eight o'clock in the morning on the Saturday. Yes. And you didn't want to pay that amount of money. Um, but you gave up something and I gave up something. So we uh, agreed on uh, a deal. Yes. And then let's say agree to. Yes. When you're when you were a child um, and your parents said to you, you will come home at 10 o'clock. You'll be home by eight o'clock. Um, you're going to do your homework. You're going to, you know, help with the chores around the house. And you're going to do this. And you're going to do this. And you're going to do this. Yes. And what did you say? You said, yes, ma'am. You said, yes, sir. Yes. Because you had to agree to that. Because in that situation, your parents were the ones with all the power. Yes. It was non-negotiable. You didn't have a choice. And so when we agree to something, yes, um, we are the ones not in the position of power. If they agree to it, they are not in the position of power. So... Again, if one of your clients is holding 50% of your revenue, yes, you have to agree to what they say, not agree with or agree on. Yes, it's irrelevant. Yes, they have the power. Yes. Um, so when your boss comes back from a meeting or when you come back from a meeting with to with um, you know, some partner, well, do you want to paint the image of agree with, agree to, or agree on? You have to decide. And your business English empathy, understanding what kind of person is listening. Do you have that boss that wants to hear that they agreed to, you know, that you are a strong, powerful salesperson that just gets deals done? Yes. Or do you want to say they agreed with because you want to be kind and you want to be compassionate? Or do you want to be agree on because, you know, you're fine negotiating, giving up something and there's no problem in the company when someone sees you as as giving up a little bit, you know, it, it depends on on your image, you know, 
Um, so you have uh, those three, uh, those two examples, you know, uh, agree with, agree to, agree on, ver and the example of running down the horses. So hopefully that helps you understand that when you speak, um, that, um, you know, you have to keep that in mind because ultimately you're painting a picture for the other person. And, you know, well, some people would say, well, wait a minute, we don't, you know, well, how am I supposed to make these choices? It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You know, that's why you're here. That's why you're listening to me. I imagine you've already seen my prices. You know, I'm not the cheapest teacher on the market. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult, but um, you have to decide on what you want to achieve with your language skills. Um, and this is, is, is the top, you know, um, you know, but some people will say, well, listen, uh, you know, how do I make the choice between agree to and agree with in a given moment during a negotiation? Well, you have to have that information readily available. You have to have known it in advance. You got to study, you got to memorize it. Um, because if not, you don't have it when you need it. It's like, well, it's just, I mean, there's no way I could think of those different, you know, grammatical elements or different phrasal verbs in that given situation. Well, actually you do that already. You know, it's, it's, let's, let's think about this, you know, you've had meetings, you've had moments where, you know, you had to think about in Polish or in your native language, or even in English, uh, what you wanted to say and how you wanted to say it and how you want it to be received. And those decisions may have been simpler. They may have been, um, smaller, but nonetheless, you know, um, Maybe you already used the present perfect, you know, when you have to ask, you needed to ask a question. Did you say, did you do something or have you done something? That was that same thing, that, that, that same choice. And yes, your um, synapses um, fire at uh, somewhere around 280 kilometers an hour. Um, that may even be 200, um, uh, 280 miles per hour. I, I would have to, to check because I don't remember that information off the top of my head. Um, but what happens in your brain at synapse you know, goes to those different areas of your brain looking for information the same way that I've asked you, you know, what was the uh, your home telephone number when you were a child? If you think for a little bit, I'm sure you can remember that, um, but you would have to search your brain for it. And your brain does that same searching when you're deciding on tenses, it's just you feel it. Um, you feel that choice being made, but you're not actively and consciously thinking about those choices. Um, but those synapses that are firing in your brain are doing that nonetheless. Um, that's why it's important to understand the feeling of this because those feelings, those decisions are made so much quicker and subconsciously so we don't have to um, think about them, yeah? That said, you also have to remember that in English, we don't think about just what you said. We think about what you didn't say. So when you say to someone, um, that you um, were in Germany a number of different times, they're going to notice that you didn't use the present perfect. That's they're going to notice that you didn't use the past perfect. You know, they're going to notice that that was obviously in the past and not the future. That's a no brainer. I mean, that's easy. Um, but we do feel the difference in these tenses. And once you understand those uh, tenses, that's when you can truly understand uh, if and when you want to use them. So many people think that it's not necessary to use the perfect tenses that no one uses them. Yeah, but but not everyone's a billionaire either. You know, not everyone, you know, is as successful as as, you know, our standard of success. And you've got to decide on who you want to be in a language. Those who are more successful tend to speak in perfect tenses. It's just that simple. It show it shows it conveys a higher level of intelligence and 
Um, maybe you do or don't want to show that. Again, you got to decide on who you want to be in the language and define your personality in the language. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this is also uh, very important information for you um, as far as listening skills, because the majority of people obviously haven't had classes with me. They're not thinking about what they're saying. They're simply just speaking. And so this gives you the opportunity to gain some value by listening because you can read your counterpart. Yes? When this person asks you a question, if they say, did you do something versus have you done something? Oh, okay. So this is very important. Yes, this is, a, this, this is very important to this person because he just asked this question or she just asked this question in the uh, present perfect. Yes, and I'll give you a real world example. Yes, my wife reading me um, because I've helped her with her English. You know, I, I've taught her this, you know, um, you know, from my experiences with her, she finds this teachers that she's had uh, lacking because she gets to see um, what. Uh, I've done in my level of engagement, the hours that I put in, you know, well into the night in the morning. And I think that uh, she now expects that from her English teacher because she sees what's possible in the market um, um, because, you know, we share a home and she hears me talk, um, you know, but with my wife, you know, I've taught her this in in real world situation. You know, she said to me one time, one time we were talking and I was in here working um, and she says, uh, she said something to me and then I responded, not thinking about what I was saying. And when I responded, I used the present perfect, you know, and then she stopped and she just looked at me for a moment and she asked the question. She said, why did you just use the present perfect? And I was like, fuck, <laughs> she got me, you know, um, and I wasn't going to lie to her. You know, I, I, I taught her something about the language, you know. Uh, I don't lie to my wife, um, uh, but I didn't really want to tell the truth in that moment, being completely fucking honest. Um, um, but I told the truth. And she said to me, when she said to me, well, why did you use the present perfect? I said, well, what you said to me yesterday morning hurt my feelings and I haven't talked to you about it and I'm still upset about it. So when you ask that, that's why I've responded in the present perfect. Yes. And that was the truth. That was the truth. I was making a big deal out of something small because she had hurt my feelings the day before. And that was just a simple fact of that. And that's why naturally the present perfect came out, you know, and I even encourage my clients, listen to what I say, listen to when I use the present perfect versus the past simple, because it'll tell you how I feel about it, especially when I'm speaking in a way where I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. It's the unscripted um, version of uh, uh, native English uh, from a teacher. Um, so use that, see that, you know, judge your English, uh, accordingly. Uh, if you can see that some of this vocabulary is too difficult, well, this is not the maximum vocabulary. This is the vocabulary level that I'm willing to use for the podcast, you know, but there's another level. Um, there's an experience and expert level, which those courses are not available yet. Hopefully they will be, um, by, by our third trimester in September, you know, but even if not, you know, we'll get them ready when we can get them ready. But there are more levels to go to, to attain, to be on, if that's where you want to go. Um, well, when we hear what you say and what you don't say, well, here's a little different example. Yes. Would have and could have. I would have done something versus I could have done something. If someone says to you, I could have helped you versus I would have helped you. Well, what's the difference in those? You know, how should we feel about this person if we're listening to what they're saying and they're speaking naturally? And they say, I would have helped you versus I could have helped you or something should be someplace or something would be someplace. Well, what's the difference between those? 
And in our listening skills, when we can differentiate that, it tells us something about the speaker. Yes, because when they say, I've been to Spain, I've been to Portugal, I've been to uh, Poznan, yes, uh, I've been to Pox, yes, Pox, Pox, I pronounced that incorrectly, yes, but it's P-W-O-C-K, and hopefully you understood that. They speak about these places where to you they may be no big deal, you know, but they use the present perfect that tells you something about them. If they say, I've read a book, okay, oh, exciting, awesome, they're making a big deal, what's this book? And then they say, Elementas excuse me you know how are we gonna feel about that person if they use the present perfect and say that, that, that they've read elementas you know maybe a foreigner you know who hasn't spent much time in a country you know well how, how did he even get to the point of even hearing about that book you know uh but facts are facts and they and we're gonna feel something about that person depending on the tense um what's what are you gonna feel once when you say that when someone says to you that they will do something versus they will have done something What's the difference between those two tenses? Yes. And if you don't know, you should very much be questioning. And you can feel free to Google that, um, uh, look it up. Um, but there is some uh, value in that language, something that you're not going to find that simply put, um, I've been able to discover um, to give you a reason why you want to use that, you know, and in your business English empathy, that's going to be crucial. You can take the value uh, that you can get from this podcast and try to put it together. You know that you feel something. Do I recommend that you use um, the present perfect? Um, yes and no. It depends on the situation. But I would say future perfect is the grammatical element in which you must be the most careful because it is very, very dangerous. Yes, very powerful, but simultaneously dangerous and can, and can get you in a lot of trouble. So uh, think about that. Yes. And also, you know. One last point, when we talk about listening skills, yes, when someone talked to you, did they talk to you in the, um, when they asked you this question, did they ask you the question in a simple tense or the continuous tense? Yeah. So, for example, when someone says to you, uh, what did you do this weekend versus what were you doing? You know, those synapses fired at that, let's say, uh, approximately 280 kilometers per hour, you know, when their brain, that's the one they came back with. Well, why? Why did they choose the past simple versus the past continuous so why do they choose the past continuous versus the past simple well it's simple when, when we speak in simple tenses yes some of them not all of them um it's about a picture um what did you do you just see one picture yes if i say to you i cooked you see a plate of food in your mind yes you see that finished product you know or maybe you see me standing still but i'm not moving when i say i cooked but if i say i was cooking it's a movie, yes. In the same in the same respect, you know, when you have this person, if they're interested in you, yes, they may start start at first with with what did you do? Oh, what did you see? What did you read? Yes, past simple, past simple, past simple. Oh, well, what was happening um, in that first chapter of that book? Being because I heard so much about, I want more information. What was happening? Yeah, what were you doing this weekend? Yes, I don't have a plan for class today. And so now I need to ask you, what were you doing this weekend so I can kill some time? Yes, I'm trying to get you to speak some more so I can find my documents and figure out what we're going to do for class right now. Yes, I'm stalling. Yes, I'm trying to buy time to figure something out. Yes, that's why I asked you at the beginning of class, what were you doing this weekend? Because I want to hear you talk more. Yes, but... We know that's not the case in my case because on in the courses you can see that we have a plan for the full 16 weeks for the groups, yes, and 
all the classes are already made for the individual courses. Um, it's just a question of making the choices of which ones um, are going to be in our particular course. But that's the bespokeness of, of what we do, um, you know. Um, but we have to keep that in mind, you know, when someone says, what did you do versus what were you doing? Yes, what will you do versus what will you be doing? Well, why did they choose a simple tense versus a continuous tense? Yes. And so let's move on to this third uh, level. Yeah. Um, the real business English empathy. So we've talked about speaking Yes, you're painting a picture. We've talked about listening. You're getting some information. Yes. And the real um, value of your business English empathy is going to be um, somewhere in between. You know, with your business English empathy, you want to do more listening than speaking. Um, and you want to um, speak in a more precise way because you're speaking to to someone who has just said to you, I've read a book and they're referring to Elementas. Yes. Oh, and, and, and how have you found the book? Yes. You're going to ask in a present perfect because you don't want to make them feel bad because they're speaking about learning, reading um, Elementus in the present perfect. Yes, maybe this is a child. Yes, and this child yes, is, is, is very young, non-native Polish speaker, you know, and you want to uh, encourage their enthusiasm. Yes, they say, and that makes complete sense, you know, from a child's perspective. I've read Elementus. Oh, and, and how have you found the book? You know, what have you read? Yes, what have you seen in the book? Yes, and that's going to be your business English empathy, even though to you, the idea of reading Elementas is no big deal. Yes. But in your business English empathy, because that that person has made it a big deal, you want to make it a big deal. Yes. And if someone asks you the question, what were you doing this weekend? Business English empathy. Oh, I was doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this. Because if the person asks you a question in the past continuous, but you give them a short answer, they're going to feel that you don't want to talk to them. Yes. Let me give you a different example. Yes. You're girlfriend or boyfriend husband wife yeah my wife she says did you cheat on me what am i going to think business english empathy did i cheat well first things first i'm going to ask the question why is she talking about this in the past simple you know it's it's why she saying it's like no big deal well, maybe she's trying to hide her feelings you know she has had some classes with me we've had this discussion uh, i imagine that if she's in that emotional state she wouldn't be thinking along those lines you know um, but when she says, did you, you know, that's a picture, that's one action. So let's say if I'm a fucking sleazeball, that's and I am cheating. Um, in my mind, I'm going to be like, yes, you know, I'm excited, you know, because she said, did you cheat? She thinks it was one time. Did you? Yes. When she says, have you been cheating? Oh, fuck. Now I have multiple situations that I need to defend because she says, have you been cheating? And have you been cheating? means that it's starting to pass continuous until now. So that means that when she asks the question, have you been cheating? Have you been studying? Have you been reading, working, whatever? She thinks that there's multiple contacts with that action, regardless of what that action is. So when I ask a student, have you been studying? That means on multiple different occasions, continuously up until now. Does it mean every single minute of your entire day? No. Definitely not, but on multiple occasions, yes. I don't ask, did you study? I don't want to know if you did that once. I want to know if it was if it was habitual, yes, if it was consecutive, continuous, 
throughout this period of time, relatively speaking, up until now. And then when my wife or when your girlfriend or your boyfriend says to you, have you been cheating? They remember you came home smelling like perfume one night. There was one night you said you'd be home at 10. You came home at three. Yes, there was uh, one time that your partner came into the room and you just closed your phone really quickly. Yes, that she or he came to sit next to you and you, you know, moved. Um, these are these pieces of evidence that they have to justify asking you about cheating in the present perfect continuous. But when this person says, have you cheated? It's about one time, but big deal. So they are emotionally engaged in this. And so regardless of what the topic is or what the nature is, yes, I mean, again, business, yes. Um, have you completed the report? When will you complete the report? When will you have completed the report? Have you gotten permission to do that? Had you talked to John before you did that? Did you talk to John before you did that? I mean, all of these are, you know, paint different pictures and different feelings. And so in uh, understanding that, you know, uh, we got to decide on how we speak and how we respond to those who are talking to us, you know. Um, and so when someone, um, for example, um, asks a question, you know, and again, I, I think I actually use this example in another podcast, you know, you really want to fuck with your partner, you know, um, ask them the question, had you cheated on me? You know, had you cheated on me? They're going to get scared. They're going to, they're going to. I mean, it's not just about the cheating. It's just the way. It's not, did you, had you cheated on me? And, and there's a feeling. There's a, there's a, you should feel that there's, there's something about that. Like that's a loaded question. It feels dangerous, you know, not just because of that verb. And if you feel that and good for you, that means you do have some ability to feel the language, you know, and I want to support that growth. You can understand that a choice is being made whether you want it to be or not. Uh, because like I said, we hear what you say and what you don't say. Most people are not thinking about what they're saying. For example, I just said most people are not thinking about what they're saying because I do believe that that's a movie. And that came out of me naturally um, because that's the picture that I'm painting based on the way that I feel. Yes, I didn't use the past simple because I don't think that it's a no big deal thing. Um, this has been something that many people have had to deal with. Big deal, big deal. This is something that many people deal with. Well, no big deal. So definitely not going to talk about it that way because it's more of an important issue than is conveyed in the past simple or any simple tense really. So um, a conversation is being had and a decision um, is being made. And so I uh, encourage you to control the narrative, control uh, how that conversation goes, um, because ultimately it will put you in a better position um, in the end. And so I'm going to end this podcast uh, with one little uh, bit of added value. Uh, feel free to repeat this because uh, it works for me every time. Yes. And I'll even explain to you why it works. Yeah. So uh, last bit of added value. Um, so I'm going to say something to you and it's going to it's, it's, it's going to be to try to convince you to have classes. Yes. Uh, it's going to feel salesy. A little bit and it's going to feel powerful nonetheless and then i'll explain to you why it felt powerful yeah so listen closely if you have classes with me your english improves the things that you want to happen with your language skills they happen if you study if you do your homework you get command of the language in a way that other people don't have you see the language you feel the language the things that are difficult to you now become easy the positions that you want in your company, you get them. The challenges that you have in your life, they diminish. 
And did that feel strong? Did that feel powerful? What was it about that that sounded so convincing, you know? Because I sit across from people and I say that same thing. If you have classes with me, your English improves. The things that you want to happen, they happen. And I ask them, you know, how does that sound? And typically I get the business answer. Oh, well, you know, um, you know, from the business perspective. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Because if you lie to me, as if you don't give the complete truth, I have no value for you. So if I ask you a question of how something feels or what it feel uh, or, or what you feel in that, I need you to be completely honest so you can get your main value. Yes. And so what was that? Yes. Why did that sound so good? If you have class with me, your English improved the same way that let's say, hypothetically speaking, if a guy is in a club and he goes up to a girl and he says to her, if you go home with me, you enjoy yourself. That may work for some women and not from others. Same deal that if a woman says that to a man, that may work for some and not for others. But it does sound kind of nice, right? A bit appealing. And so what we're buying when that person says that to us is their confidence. You want to have confidence in some situation. You want to convey confidence. You got to say it the way I said it to you. As if you have class with me, your English improves. And what is it? It's the zero conditional. That's what it's for. Yes, the grammatical element, the zero conditionals for 100% situations. And so when you say to your client, yes, if you sign with us, you get a partner that meets your needs. You get a, a partner that supports you in business. If you give me a chance to make you happy, I meet your needs. I do everything that I can to satisfy you. It just sounds strong. It sounds powerful. But that's just one grammatical element, yeah? Uh, but we're going to bring this uh, Business English Empathy podcast to a close. Um, hopefully, uh, you've gotten some value out of this. Hopefully, you're thinking about uh, not only what you're saying, you're also focus on, focusing on listening to the person with whom you're speaking and not just uh, speaking and listening, uh, but you're actively painting pictures based on um, the picture that your counterpart is, uh, your counterpart is painting for you. So, uh, that's going to be it for, uh, the bespoke business English podcast, business English empathy. Uh, I want to thank you for today and until the next podcast, 